All right, welcome back to the Sound the Foghorn podcast. We haven't done this in quite some time, but uh, we have a very special edition podcast going on tonight. Today, whenever you're listening, uh, I, of course, run around the Foghorn uh, along with Jake Mastroianni, who is not here or available to do this, but I am joined by a by a trio of fellow NL West uh, site experts. We have, first I'll introduce... Uh, Jacob Rudner from Dodgers Way. We also have Tim Ryder from Friars on Base and Kevin Henry from Rocks Pile. Um, those two obviously uh, covering the Padres and the Rockies. We are missing Venom Strikes, unfortunately, um, who covers the Diamondbacks. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, fellas, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. Thank you. All good. All right. So... Uh, the fo- I'll go over the format for how we're going to do this first. What we decided to do is that we're going to cover each team in the NLS in our first segment. Uh, every single expert that's participating in this has pitched one question, and that expert will pitch that to um, so the expert who pitches the question. Let's say, for example, me. I will pitch my question to Tim Ryder for Friars on Base about the Padres, and then he will answer that, and then we'll go down the line. We'll discuss all the NLS teams uh, get a chance for everybody to hear, um, also kind of, and for the experts as well to hear what the other teams within the division are wondering about their team. Um, and then in the in the second segment, we'll go over some predictions. So, without further ado, we'll turn it over to Tim Ryder uh, from Friars on Base. Uh, uh, we'll go with the first question since I I put it in there. Um, how do you get? How do you? My question. For your guys, for the Padres this year, is how do you feel about your rotation, and do you think it'll be enough? Uh, I was, I guess, the back end is probably where the most question marks are uh, with the injury to Lamette today, and news just came out in the last ten minutes that he'll start the season on DL. Uh, Lucchesi will probably end up coming into the rotation, and it's even more inexperienced. So we're going to have to see, but after Richard, there's not a lot of experience. So. All right, I'll turn this over to Jacob. So, it, it, I mean, the, the Padres really just started their rebuild process, and they, they've done so really well, and they have a pretty strong farm system. But was the Eric Hosmer signing a positive step for that rebuild? Oh, I think there probably isn't much of a, a better step they could have taken. Um, you know, it, the, the offense is there, the defense is there, but the intangibles, the leadership, I think that's what's going to set this move apart. Uh, worth every penny, in my opinion, so far. <laughs> all right, well, I've, uh, from Rock's pile here, I've asked you about Rocky's killer, Will Myers. Uh, we always hate to see Will Myers come to Coors Field or ever see him step on the field against the Rockies, it seems. Uh, so what does Hosmer being in the lineup mean for Will Myers? Does this mean a bigger year and we're going to hate him even more in Denver, or what, what are you seeing? Well, it, it's just offensively, it's going to give him a lot more protection in the lineup. Um, he might not have to be relied on to be the guy, so, so to say. And, uh, yeah, I think that could have a lot of positive positive effects on, on, on uh, Will Myers. All right, I'll turn it over to Kevin since now we're going to discuss the Giants, I guess. And uh, since he's got the – or, no, not Kevin. Uh, Friars on base has the first question. I apologize. Oh. Pretty else awesome. sound. I was on mute. Sorry. It's okay. I'll edit all this stuff. This is fun. Um, all right. So uh, uh, since it is now time to discuss the Giants, I will turn it over to 
uh, Friars on base as they have the first question. All right. Uh, I guess with the injury of Bungard, do, do you see the offseason additions that they made um, negating? I, I guess, I'm sorry. Do you see the offensive additions they made being negated by the Bumgarner injury? Or do you think they can they keep stay afloat until he returns? I actually do think they can stay afloat because I think that the offense that they added is enough. It's not going to be the home runs that most of the Giants fan base is pined for, and they're never going to be known for that in the ballpark that they play in. Uh, but they do have a lot of guys who, um, you know, it's going to require, for them to stay afloat, it's going to require everybody playing at their expected level. Uh, and nobody can really have any downside because if they do, um, you know, we play the Dodgers 10 times in the first month of the year, and we're going to get buried real quick if we don't at least go five. If, in my opinion, if we don't go 500 in April, there's a good chance they don't make the playoffs just because of how far buried they can get compared to like the, almost the entire. I think there's 19 games in April for the Giants that are against NL West opponents. Uh, so that first month is really key. We're going to miss Bumgarner for all of that. But I do think the offense can kind of help help them stay afloat. They're going to get more runs than they did last year per starter. Johnny Cueto looked amazing today. I know it was the A's, but he looked really good today um, in almost six innings of work. Uh, the bullpen has looked pretty good the last few outings, too. So I think you know Derek Holland's got experience. Stratton's been really good this spring. Ty Block has been decent every now and then. Um, if the starters can give them five, six innings, I think, and keep the game with close enough for the offense to be able to do it. I think they'll be able to survive. Um, unfortunately, uh, this, this unfortunate accident uh, with Madison Bumgarner and uh, his old like little league opponent, I guess, in Whit Merrifield. So, Daniel, let me ask you a question from the Rockies' point of view, because I did an article a couple of weeks ago where I talked about how I think the McCutcheon is going to come back, and I think he's going to have an all-star season this year. It's not what we want to hear in Denver, but – you know, I think it's going to happen. So tell me what having Kutch as an all-star, how does that boost up the postseason chances for the Giants? Uh, it's huge because the Giants haven't had an outfielder make the all-star game. Goodness, I don't even think Hunter Pence made the all-star games in outfield. The last one maybe was Melky Cabrera um, in 2012. It was the last time we've had an all-star outfielder, uh, if I can recall. Cause, yeah, I just don't th- I don't believe Hunter Pence made any in 13, like – after the Giants had traded for him. So he may have had one because 15, 16, and 17 have just been wash years for him. And he only had 13 and 14 as the really good years. So, uh, you know, if he has an all-star type season, that's it's a massive shot in the arm for the lineup. Uh, we know what Kutch can do, and he is ready to go, and he's MVP caliber. Don't know if he'll ever return to that again. But uh, uh, an all-star year from Kutch um, is probably adding an extra – 60 to 70 runs to the offense that the Giants did not get last year. Um, and with their pitching and the way they play tight games, they tend to play tight games. Um, you know, the, that's going to make a lot of difference going down, uh, down the road for them. Uh, so I think once everything gets going on all cylinders, you get mad bum back there. I think the Giants can definitely make a run, especially if Andrew McCutcheon is playing at the all-star level and like the level that we've seen him play through spring. So from, Dodgers way we were we were wondering more on, on Brandon Crawford because he was a key for you guys two years ago offensively and then last year he was seriously unimpressive so the question from us is can he return to his all-star form this year and continue to contribute the way he did two years ago I think I would like to think so just because I think that 
if the, the the key for Brandon Crawford, the problem was last year is that the, I, don't, I don't have the exact number off of my head, but they played Brandon Crawford as the cleanup hitter in their lineup uh, for it, it. It was I can tell you, it was probably five to ten games where Brandon Crawford was listed as the cleanup hitter in the lineup. And if Brandon Crawford is your cleanup hitter, it's not good. And that's not where he's supposed to be at the lineup. I, the the best spot for him is to be protected by multiple hitters. Um, so if, if the guys around him are having good successful seasons, then I think he can have a good successful season, but you know, they, they tried to put him a little bit higher in the lineup after having a really good 2016. And I think there was a little bit too much pressure and not enough good, um, hitters kind of protecting him within the lineup. So that kind of caused the lack of production and it was just a down year for pretty much everyone in the giants last year. So if Crawford, you know, is going to have a good year. I think he's got to be batting somewhere within that seven or eight range in the lineup. That's really about the best spot because that means he's being protected by a lot of good hitters um, throughout the lineup, and he's someone that is going to get those opportunities that made him so good in 2016. So, of course, now we move up the uh, 2017 standings to the Rockies, who finished um, in third place in the NL West. Uh, a 87 and 75 season of course friars on base you've got the first question all right um do you see your younger pitchers continuing the i guess rapid development they did last season or taking a step back you know that's that's the million dollar question honestly the the rockies went into the season they did not go after Arietta, Lynn, Cobb, any of these guys that you always heard about. There was no interest in bringing in any kind of veteran starter because they believed these kids, and, and hey, let's call them that because that's what they were last year, they believed that they can take that next step this year. When I was down at spring training earlier this month, it was one of those things that every pitcher on the Rockies, even John Hay, was working on a different you know, a pitch. He was working on a different way to deliver the pitch. He was working on a different grip. So spring training didn't tell us a whole lot about what these guys did to prepare for the year other than working on things. Now, the Rockies are counting on them taking that next step, but to be honest, from my perspective, I just don't know if that's possible. They came out of the gate so well last year, and now there's a year of information on them. They're not going to catch anybody by surprise. So I do think there is going to be a little bit of regression just because it's their sophomore year. All right. So for me, my question on this was uh, for you guys, you, know, you guys got with Ian, you get the big contract to Ian Desmond last year. Mark Reynolds comes in, uh, does a fantastic job. You don't retain him. What do you, do you think Ian Desmond can replicate the type of production uh, that Mark Reynolds gave you guys last year? No, to be perfectly honest, no. Uh, but the Rockies aren't counting on Ian Desmond replacing Mark Reynolds' production. They're counting on Trevor Story having a better year than he had last year. They're counting on Cargo having a better year. Thank, oh, boy, let's pray he has a better year than he did last year. He can't have much worse one. But, you know, in September he started catching on. So the Rockies are counting on Para, Gonzalez, Story, all these guys to help make up for what they're losing power-wise with Reynolds. You know, don't forget, you know, between uh, Nolan, Blackman, and uh, Reynolds last year, those were the only three guys that had more than 30 homers for the Rockies. It dropped off a ton after that. Mm -hmm. So this is not going to be a team, honestly, and, and it's weird to say this about the Rockies, this is not a team that's going to be a power team this year. 
This is going to be a team that's going to use speed. This is going to be a team that's going to hopefully turn doubles into triples and singles into doubles. And that's where they hope that Ian Desmond can actually be a weapon this year is that he can actually maybe not hit a ground ball this year, actually Mm -hmm. get the ball up, hit it into one of those uh, gaps at Coors and turn that double into a triple and use his speed. You know, he was hurt a lot last year and in very limited time, he still led the Rockies in stolen bases. So I think that's something that a lot of people don't think of when they think of Ian Desmond, but they are going to use that this year, no doubt. So from us, we are going to focus on the, the bullpen quickly. You guys yep. spent $94 million on three 30-year-old pitchers. Was that worth it? Uh, you know, for this year, I'm going to say yes, and and here's why. You know, there was an article this morning that came out in the Denver Post, and, and what everybody in Denver is focused on right now is that this is the last year that cargo – Blackman, LeMahieu, and Arenado are all under contract with the Rockies. The only one who is, still has a contract after this year is Arenado. The other three guys I just mentioned, they all can walk after this year. Or if something happens horribly with the Rockies this year, they could be those trade deadline guys who leave. So this is really that last run with that Rockies core that we've known for so long. And so I think that even though they were long-term contracts, they actually did it with the thought of a 2018 or bust. So if they can get Shaw, if they can get McGee, if they can get Davis to perform this year and give them an idea of can they sign Blackman and keep him around then for next year to make another run. Uh, the thought around here is that this is LeMahieu's last year in Denver just because they have so many guys coming up, including Brendan Rodgers, who's their number one prospect to take over. So this is something that they're looking at 2018 is really a watershed year. And if the bullpen can perform this year like they think it – can then yes the investment's worth it all right so uh i think the problem is of course we don't have venom strikes and of course they were next up on the list so i think an interesting way to do this may be to turn around the questions that we wanted to pitch um to venom strikes and to pitch it to the gallery um and we'll we'll go that way um so i'll let i'll, I'll let friars on base give the question and then we can just do popcorn answers here just like think of an answer 140 characters or less um well we'll go we'll go 140 we'll go to 240 280 uh twitter's twitter's updated so uh 280 characters or less uh an answer to um, a gallery answer to the question that uh we've posed so i'll let friars on base start off again well i guess we can all agree paul goldschmidt is a generational ball player without a doubt um he's been close in the mvp race before he's heading into his prime years if he hasn't been there already uh do you think this is the year that he finally gets his mvp award so i'll actually kick that off and i'm going to compare paul goldschmidt to somebody like chris sale and chris sale was always so close to his Cy Young award and he never actually got it and uh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep on the trend, and I'm going to say that Paul Goldschmidt is going to be right there, but it's not going to happen. Fair enough. And, and I'm going to throw out, you know, it's, it's funny, the Colorado guy throws this out, I know, but the humidor effect. I mean, what effect is this going to have in Arizona with Paul Goldschmidt and the rest of the offense? I'm very curious to see what that does and then how it's perceived nationally. You know, mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be a real interesting thing to see as well. Goldschmidt certainly has all the tools, but I, I agree. I don't think this year he does it. I, I'm going to agree that he doesn't this year. Well, I do think he's certainly deserving. Uh, it's going to have to take a, you know, 
you've got so many other stars. You think of Chicago with Rizzo and uh, and Bryant. You've got Corey Seager uh, down in L.A. Um, you've got, you know, of course, Bryce Harper up north. And, you know, there's plenty of good pitchers elsewhere um, that can do a lot. And even, more, you know, because we've seen pitchers win it in the past with Kershaw. Uh, so the question is, like, I, there's, I think there's too much. Uh, it would take too many down years from too many stud players um, for it to work for him because, again, Arizona just gets overlooked. Uh, and I think that's just kind of where – that that's the where it's going to be. It's, it, it, he could have a season equal to Chris Bryant uh, in terms of numbers. But, you know, that Chicago Cubs, you know, media hub, the, the focus that is on the Chicago Cubs franchise, um, I think would put him over – uh, what Paul Goldschmidt does. You see it with Joey Votto every single year in Cincinnati, yeah. the same kind of a thing. So the general consensus is uh, always a bridesmaid, never a bride for, Gold, for Goldschmidt. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much, sadly. Um, so my question, my question on this one was uh, if, if the, if the Diamondbacks are anticipating any regressions from the pitching staff, because I thought, that the pitching staff last year kind of punched a little bit above its weight. Zach Greinke had a good back, or you know bounce back year uh, for someone that's getting paid thirty plus million dollars a year. You'd expect a halfway decent year from him. Uh, but guys like Patrick Corbin and stuff like that, they kind of surprised me in what they were able to bring to the table. Do you guys? So I'll pitch it to you guys. Do you guys think that the D-backs uh, pitching staff regresses kind of the same way with the Rockies, or do you think that um, they? Do you think that they keep on and they move forward? I'll take the head. I'll take the start here. Um, I actually think they're going to take a step forward. I think Granky's going to have a better year. I think he's going to build it off of it. He's going to start to earn that money. Uh, I think Corman's going to have a good year. I think their bullpen is going to be a force. I like Archie Bradley a lot. Yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and I'm curious to see, you know, because because obviously the Rockies and Diamondbacks open up the season together. And Corbin is going to be the opening day starter. And it's because Grinky isn't available. Uh, you know, and, and there's been some talk about his fastball velocity being down. And is this going to make him into a different kind of pitcher? Not, you know, and I hate they were comparing to Greg, Greg Maddox, but is he going to be a guy that uses the corners more and is able to use some things to fool some uh, batters instead of just going after them with heat? So I, I think that Grinky's health determines a lot whenever it comes to this rotation this year. And, and, and you're right, you know, Corbin, Ray, all these guys, how are they going to do if they need to pick up the slack? Is that going to be extra uh, weight that maybe they can't carry? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for me, I'm actually going to – I'm going to disagree with you guys on the, on the, the moving forward, and I'm actually going to say that they're going to take a huge step back. And the reason for that is going to be Zach Cranky in the velocity. We saw that he's having a hard time in spring. Fastball is down in the upper 80s, if not 86, so mid-80s. And I'm going to compare him to, to Scott Casimir with the Dodgers. And you saw Scott, who had a fastball at 91, 92. It's exactly where Granky was, and then drop off to the mid-80s. And then his fastball started to look like his changeup, and that doesn't work. So, uh, I, I mean, I think if your ace is having a hard time, your rotation is having a hard time. So I'm going to take a huge step back on them. I, I kind of tend to be in the same uh, the same line of thought. I thought Patrick Corbin was definitely punched above his weight. Um, I was more I was shocked by him. I think he's a fantastic pitcher, but keeping him doing uh, keeping it consistently, I think, kind of shocked me last year. And like I said, I'm not buying Zach Granke as much. Um, he is 34. Velocity's going down. Uh, you know, bodies bodies tend to break start to break down around this age. 
Um, and for a guy who's relied so heavily on that fastball being at least in the 90s, I think that's going to be, you know, that that's why the, the big step back came uh, from the Dodgers when he went from the Dodgers to the Diamondbacks, that velocity took a hit. And then next last year, he kind of got right again. And then this year, it's kind of down again. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with Dodgers way on this one. Um, Mr. Kevin Henry, what have you got for us? So, you know, uh, Tim, you mentioned the bullpen a minute ago. And and one thing I was going to ask was, is it an Achilles heel? Because I know that, honestly, they're still not set on who a closer is going to be, from what I understand. But, uh, Tim, it sounds like uh, you're, you're pretty calm with Archie Bradley back there. I am to an extent. Um, again, it might be a by-committee type of situation. But, boy, just any time he's pitched. I know when he got drafted, he was originally going to be a starter. But, they, they almost immediately put him into the reliever's role. And anytime I've seen him pitch, he's just been phenomenal. So, yeah, I would imagine he'll take a step up. He'll probably set himself apart in the bullpen. But, again, it's a, uh, it's a shot in the dark who they end up going with. It could be game-to-game debates. Who really knows? Uh, I'll, I'll jump in next on this one. And I, I think it's a, it's a perfect question to follow what we just talked about because if that rotation is going to take a step back, then the guys behind whoever's starting the game are going to be seriously important. So, yes, I think that the, the bullpen is going to be huge for them. And and more so, I think that the closer spot's going to be huge because they just got rid of Fernando Rodney, which is nothing but positive. And um, it, it, you have two guys in Archie Bradley and, and the new guy from Japan, Yoshihisa Hirano, who I personally really like. So, I mean, you, you throw either of those two out in the ninth inning, and I think that that's a really good bullpen. I, I'm I'm in the boat that I, 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 I'm honestly not too sure what to see from him. I'm still kind of in the middle. Uh, I, I think their bullpen was, was actually surprisingly good last year. Um, like I, said, I really like Archie Bradley, but, uh, you know, there's some, there's some big horses in the bullpen uh, around this NL West. The Rockies have a stacked bullpen. Uh, if the Giants' names on the sheet perform to their act, what they normally do, their career, their, their career marks, you know, that's actually a pretty decent bullpen especially when Will Smith gets back, you know, the Dodgers, you've got Kenley Jensen sitting in front of that monster. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of good bullpens in this league. And and, and I think that, well, I, I don't know if it'll be an Achilles heel because I think they have the latter innings fine. Uh, my worry is what happens when in those, in uh, in innings six, seven, eight, they have a starter um, that gets too many pitches in. Uh, I think that might be their, their area of concern because I haven't, I was never really concerned with their, or really impressed with their, you know, six, seven, eight, or six and seventh inning guys and their, uh, their, their more long inning, uh, multiple inning relievers. I felt like they, they never really, last year and over the history, they haven't really done a good job of, uh, let's say, quelling the, uh, the, stopping the bleeding, we'll put it that way, uh, when they're called upon. So I, I think they'll be fine, but they're not going to be anything special. Mm. I'm going to flip it back to the offense and specifically Paul Goldschmidt again. And uh, he is undoubtedly locked into that first base job because, A, he's not flexible to another position, and, B, he's so good that they're not going to get rid of him anytime soon. So what does that do for Pavin Smith? And for those of you who don't know, he's their top first base prospect, number two in the organization. What does that do for them, and what does what is the plan of action for somebody like him? I'll, I'll start just because it's very similar to what's going on with the Rockies right now. You know, Ryan McMahon. He's their first baseman of the future. Oh, my gosh, Ryan's going to start this year. It's going to be great. Hey, we re-signed Carlos Gonzalez, and now Ian Desmond has to go back and play first base. It's 
So now it's very likely that McMahon went from being the opening day starter at first base to now going back to the minors and having to work his way back into the Rockies rotation, which is kind of a, a shocker for a lot of us in Colorado that, uh, that he fell so far despite having a great spring. So I, I think that it sounds like Pavin Smith may be a little bit in this way that he's got to still go back, work on his game, improve himself. McMahon also did something where he was a third baseman coming up through the Rockies organization. Now, we've already got a pretty good third baseman in Colorado. So, you know, it, so he started learning second base. He started learning first base. And now he can play all those positions, which in Colorado, versatility is like the key word. And so it's not to me, at least outside looking in, that this could be something that Pavin Smith may have to try to find another position to break in. You know, and it may not be at first base because, yeah, Goldschmidt, like we just said, MVP candidate year in, year out. My my thought on what they could pretend, I mean, they, they could try and find a different position for him. Um, I know the Giants did this with Chris Shaw, who was not the not the first base product or prospect that uh, McMahon or, um, uh, goodness, uh, and Pavin Smith are. Uh, he, he did make the top 10 list a few years back, but he's not that type of prospect. Um, I, they, they ended up moving him to the outfield. Uh, I don't know if they could attempt to do that. I don't know what type of athlete Pavin Smith is, uh, and how that's going to work out. Uh, my, my wonder on this is if one, if they, are they going to concede? Because we saw what happened when JD Martinez walked this year and he walks into a big contract, I believe Goldschmidt walks at the end of the year as well. So my question is, is one, if they don't see themselves, um, selling gold like keeping and trying to extend goldschmidt after this season then do they hold on to him and if they're in a race do they feel like pavin smith would be somebody that they could give up to get an elite something um from a from a lower level team that's that's trying to sell something off could they bargain and put in pavin smith um to give something uh to get something back that can help them uh maybe make a push to be a a a big time contender um, that's my wonder if they could use them that way. Um, teams that operate on a smaller budget, like the Diamondbacks tend to do, um, I won't say cheap, but cause they're not, I won't, I won't say they're cheap, but they do operate on a much smaller budget than let's say, you know, the Dodgers or the, the Giants, Yankees, Red Sox, stuff like that. So, you know, I, my wonder is if they don't see themselves signing Goldschmidt, if, uh, they just hang on to him. Um, or if they do think that uh, you know they're okay with Goldschmidt, they're going to re-sign Goldschmidt. Then do they trade him in for an elite, um, an elite arm or something else that can really help them their their area of need when it comes uh, trade season? We'll see. That that's my thought on how they could deal with Pavin Smith. But it is, it, I mean, it's a nice situation to have if you're the Diamondbacks. That's for sure. And, and if I was actually going to piggyback on what you just said, it would be that if the Diamondbacks are in a situation to sell right now, then maybe it not be on Paul Goldschmidt, but rather on Pavin Smith and see if you can cash in on a star selling a top prospect that is blocked because he doesn't play any other positions like Goldschmidt. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if I'm a, a, a Diamondbacks general manager and I'm having a successful season, then at trade deadline time, I may look to sell on Smith. See, I'll actually I'll play the devil's advocate here. If they're having, if they're out of it by, let's say May, like the well, let's say like last year, where the Dodgers took this huge lead. Now they eventually made a run at it and made a, you know, what they were competitive towards the end of the year. But if they're out of it again, uh, and you have Goldschmidt expiring, I'll, I'll, 
I'll uh, agree with with what uh, Ryan Foghorn said. Um, it puts him in a position to either move Goldschmidt and get what you can for him because he's going to be a free agent, or if you want to keep building around him, you can go ahead and move Schmidt, uh, move Smith, or or even what um, Rockfile said about uh, just maybe switching them around positions. I mean, if he's a first baseman already, it might be tough if he's already at that position. He can go play a corner outfield spot, maybe move him to third, like a Freddie Freeman did, or, you know, move him around. But, I mean, even coming from the Padres' point of view, where you guys have, yeah, guys switching positions this year, at least, on a game-to-game basis. A guy like Perello who played two positions, a guy like Aswaje, who's going to be sharing time. You know, it's going to be a similar situation. So, if you have to find a spot for him, you do. But if you can't, you know, you make the best of it. Use him as a trade chip, I guess. But it's going to be a decision for, uh, I guess, Larissa to make as far as which direction they want to go. All right, so on to the Dodgers, the reigning NL West champions, the reigning National League champions. First time they can say that in quite some time. Uh, I guess we get to grill Jacob Rudner now. Um, of course, Friars on base, first up as always. Go for it. All right. Jacob, um, Dodgers got as close as you could possibly get to a World Series title last year. They didn't make a lot of changes to their roster. Uh do you think this is going to be a, another magical year? Well, to address the first part of your question, yes, it still stings just as bad. But uh, <laughs> to answer your question, I would say that absolutely they can still make the same run as they did last year, and it is because the roster is unchanged. I think that more than what is on the field and what you see on TV, the the team had a chemistry in the locker room that is it, that goes a long way too, and I think that the unchanged – team is is more than just what you see on the field and then at the same time losing a guy like you darvish who who put a fork in it with the with the fan base during the world series last year can i mean you you look at that and you say you know if he was going to walk and he's going to sign for that amount of money at that age did they really need him anyway so i would say that absolutely they're capable of making a run again and i would say that the unchanged roster is a big reason why they can do so excellent all right, so my question is, it's a pretty simple question. We've seen these sophomore slumps all around uh, it, within the league. Uh, that, that's happened plenty of times before. Well, f- I think only a few of the absolute elite have escaped them, uh, a.k.a. Mike Trout, Chris Bryant, who went on to win MVPs. Anyways, uh, do you think a sophomore slump is in there? It could potentially be on the cards for Cody Bellinger, a guy who's so heavy on, you know, boom or bust. Um, I would be there are two ways to look at this. The, the first way is it's unavoidable because of what we saw in the World Series in that he is so quick to swing and and pitches on the inside half of the plate are if you throw it there, you're not going to get hurt. So, I mean, if you look at it that way, then, yes, I, I think that there's a good chance he could see himself in a sophomore slump. But then you could also look at it in the way that, you know, he has gotten bigger. He added 20 pounds over the offseason. He is ready to swing the bat hard. And I, I don't know if he's exactly boomer bust. I feel like he's he's not quite that. I think he is still a bit of a contact hitter. It's power, but but there's contact there. And and for that reason, and all, I mean, also you look at the defensive side of the ball and he's very good there and he showed us that during spring training. So, I mean, I mean is it possible? Yes. Is it is it likely? I want to think no, but I, I, I wouldn't say it's impossible. And I'll have to ask about Yasiel Puig. Uh, you know, this is the guy who uh, it looked like toward the end of last season, he really kind of found his stroke, found his place in that Dodgers lineup. Can he keep that up this year and still be that consistent producer? Uh, the short answer is yes. I think that, that Puig is 
he's a new person off the field, which has done so much for him on the field. A lot of the problems that we saw in 2016, I believe, when he got sent down were, were off the field issues that translated to on the field. So, I mean, he's cleaned up his act off the field and that goes a, a long, long way on the field. Now, finding his spot in the lineup, I don't think Dave Roberts has found his spot in the lineup. I mean, I'm, I'm watching the Dodger game right now against the Angels and he's batting third with Justin Turner out. The majority of his success last year came with him batting eighth in the lineup. I mean, so is his position throughout the batting order is fluid. But do I think he's found his place on the major league roster for good? Yes. All right. So that's going to do it as we discuss all of the NLS teams. We're going to take a quick break. Um, stay tuned. We'll be back. We're going to make our predictions for the NLS uh, for the 2018 season. All right. Welcome back to our NLS roundtable preseason podcast. Uh, of course, I'm Daniel Sperry from Around the Foghorn, joined by Kevin Henry from Rocks Pile, Jacob Rudner from Dodgers Way, and Tim Ryder from Friars on Base. All right, so we're going to jump into it. First segment, you heard us as we discussed the teams and some of the questions that we all have about each team going forward in 2018. Now we're going to move on to the predictions. Uh, so the first, first, first up, how do you see the division shaking out? I'll throw it over to our reigning champion, Mr. Jacob Rudner. <laughs> So it sounds like I'm, I'm playing the fan base here, but I am going to put the Dodgers back at the top of the division. And the reason being is because they are, quite frankly, the best team in this division, offensively and pitching-wise. Um, it, 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 they make more than most sense to, to be back on top. Uh, second place is actually going to be, contrary to last year, it's gonna, I'm going to flop second and third, and I'm going to put the Rockies in second place, and I'm going to put the D-backs in third. And the reason being is because I like how the Rockies look offensively and even more so with their pitching. I think that they made huge moves uh, bullpen-wise. They spent a ton of money on guys who were way too old, but I think that they this year are going to be seriously successful. And then on the contrary, the D-backs are in third place because, again, of their pitching. I think that that starting rotation takes a huge step back. Fourth place for me goes to the Giants. Uh, I think that just just based on offseason moves alone – I think that they've propelled themselves into a spot to to get into fourth place. Now that's questionable with the starting rotation being the way that it is. And then I'm going to put the Padres in last place, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think that this is the first step to a very long rebuild. Uh, you guys have the prospects. They have the pitching uh, that's, that's kind of there and kind of in the minor league still. And I think that this is just year one of a rebuild that's going to be very successful, but it's not going to be this year. All right. Fair enough. Mr. Ryder, we'll go with you. How do you how do you see it shaking out? Uh, yeah, I can't argue with the Dodgers on top. That's a deep team. That's a deep starting rotation. It's an even deeper bullpen. So yeah, yeah I think the Dodgers stay on top. I also like <laughs> I also like the Rockies uh, taking second this year. That's again a very complete team as long as the rotation um, keeps their development on pace. I think they're going to be a very competitive team. Um, I actually I'm going to. Three, four, and five, I think you're going to be very close. I think this could be the best division in baseball. Um, I would say that I'm, no more than five games will separate third, fourth, and fifth, and you can put the Giants, Padres, and Diamondbacks in any in any order there. I, I don't want to stick to it, but uh, let's put the Giants in last just <laughs> just to get, get you back from before, Dan. <laughs> yeah, All right, Kevin, how, are you, how do you think this is going to shake out? 
Yeah, I, I agree with Tim completely. I mean, this is this is the best division in baseball, and I think we're you know all of us uh, in Venom Strikes we're very lucky to have this type of uh, season coming up for all of us. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think there's going to be a lot of things to watch, but I think that uh, one thing that's not going to change is LA's hold on this division. I, I do think that they they pull away. Uh, I think the Rockies are going to give them trouble. Uh, I, I see the Rockies coming in second. Uh, and I think that they are going to chase the Dodgers till the bitter end. Uh, but I, I think that L.A. Uh, just has too much firepower. Uh, I'm going to say San Francisco third. Uh, I really do like what they did. Uh, I, I'm a huge believer in Kutch. I also believe that when Bumgarner comes back, dear God, he's going to be on a vengeance, I'm telling you. So I, I think that uh, that's going to make a world of difference right there. Uh, I'll go Arizona four and San Diego five. And, again, Tim, it's not, not a slide on the Padres at all. I just think this is a – it's a brutal division. I also think we're going to be beating up on each other a lot this year. Yes. There's not going to be one bad team for, for anybody to pick on. It's going to be an interesting year. You know, I think it's this NL West this year is going to be kind of reminiscent of the AL East of the Tampa Bay Rays coming in at last place at 80 and 82 or something ridiculous like that. Like I, And I think there's enough terrible teams in the NL East and the NL Central um, that this could happen this way. Uh, I... I'm going to go, obviously, sadly enough, I have to say it, but I think the Dodgers will finish first in the division. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Uh, They're a team built for long success throughout the regular season. They're healthy right now outside of Justin Turner. And, you know, they've had guys that popped up uh, in different places. It'll be interesting to see how guys like uh, Charlie Taylor, if I'm saying it right, uh, you know, those kind of guys uh, continue. Uh Huh? It's Chris Taylor. Chris Taylor. Sorry, goodness. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I, I don't. I, I'm not that big on the Dodgers to know Chris Taylor. But no, uh, no. So Chris Taylor, because I feel like guys like Chris Taylor had Andrew Tolles type seasons. Uh, when Andrew Tolles came in in 2016 and stuff like that, and they were like, "Oh, this has happened." And then Andrew Tolles kind of falls off in 2017, uh, and so all these kind of things happen. I, if they can keep these you know, outside players that are, you know, they just step in and produce, um, then I think they're going to be perfectly fine uh, in case there are injuries. They do have a little bit older um, uh, key players, I guess, which if you see Justin Turner. Um, I think he'll come back and be fine. Uh, but Dodgers up top, for me, uh, I'm going to think, uh, so I actually think that second, third, and fourth will be closer um, than, fi- than third, fourth, and fifth. And I'm actually going to put the Giants second just because of a little self-belief there. Uh, I actually really like what I've seen from this team. There's a lot. There's a chip on their shoulder. Uh, Brandon Belt has looked really good so far. Joe Panik's looked a little bit better. The offense, when you throw in Evan Longoria and Andrew McCutcheon, uh, the, the names uh, get a little bit longer on that lineup list. And I think it's a little. there's a lot more uh, within the lineup for opposing teams to respect. Uh, this time around and I think that you know they're in a good position uh, with what they have they're a lot deeper in terms of the backup positions Uh, it's nice to have Austin Jackson as a fourth outfielder Um, that's you know fourth outfielders I think is where he'll end up because everybody out here is really digging uh, our rookie Stephen Duggar um, to eventually take over the opening day center field spot he just robbed uh, Matt Joyce of a home run uh, in straightaway center field today very impressive guy. Um, I think the bat will take a little while to come around, but most people like him as an everyday defensive. I think overall, too, the defense on this team's gotten a lot better. 
So I think the Giants take a step forward. And like I said, as long as the rotation, they can kind of hold serve while Mad Bum's out, and especially while Jeff Samarge is out as well. They can keep it around 500 and not drop too much pace off of the rest of the NL um, in the month of April. I think they're going to be set uh, for a good playoff run. Um, I still don't see them winning 90 games, so that's kind of where I'm at with it. And with how strong this division is, I think it'll be hard to get more than one 90-game winner because I think you're going to have three teams that are at least 85 and above, uh, which and I think that's the second, third, and fourth that I was talking about. I think the Giants um, you know, can finish anywhere from second to third, uh, maybe fourth if, thing, if they don't do well without uh, Bumgarner and Co. But then after that, you've got, uh, for me, you've got the, the Rockies right after that. Um, I just tend to buy them a little bit more than the Diamondbacks. I still think they're pitching while it's very young. Uh, they, they've been very good prospects. I used to live in Modesto. I watched a lot of them when they were at the Modesto Nuts. Uh, they're impressive players uh, that have come up through the organization, have been good through and through. Uh, so I kind of I like their pitching direction. I think I like what they're going, the direction that they're going with their young pitching. Uh, and I think it will serve them well in the next couple years beyond this one as well. So I'll say the Rockies third uh, and then the Diamondbacks fourth. And then someone, unfortunately, someone's got to get beat up in this division, uh, which I just don't think the Padres have the pitching uh, and the depth uh, to compete with what is right now a very star studded division um, across across all levels and you know i think the padres are definitely getting there i think they're closer to contention than most people think uh you know look from the outside looking in i know some of their young arms are they've got a chance to push up um i think the question is of how well they assimilate to the big leagues do they jump in and they are they good right away or do they do they kind of slowly gain in to where they're not ready to go for another year or so kind of tend to think that that's where it'll be with them uh, but they've got some exciting players. I can't wait to see Fernando Tatis at some point. So I, I still think the Padres are exciting. And like I said before, I feel like this is the AL East of you know the early 2010s where you've got the Tampa Bay Rays finishing last at 80 wins anyways. So uh, you know this is, a, this is a heavyweight division this year, and it's probably the, from top to bottom the most competitive division, especially in the National League, maybe even in all of the American – in all of baseball as well. Um, so, you know – no team last place in this division is going to get scoffed at because I think there's a there's a few teams in the NL on both the Central and the East that are going to end up barely winning 60 games. So someone's got to beat up on them as well. So we're going to move on. We've got some other points and predictions that we want to talk about. We're going to throw this. I'll throw the question out, get the gallery to answer, kind of like how we do with the Diamondbacks. Um, this is just some stuff within the division. Uh, interdivision stuff, um, best players, best pitchers, that kind of stuff. So the first question I want to know, last year we had three teams from the NL West make the playoffs. Uh, do Are we going to have three this year or no? And how many teams do you think from this division will end up making the postseason? I'll go ahead and throw this to Kevin Henry to start off. I, I am the bad guy in Colorado because I'm saying there's one team out of the NL West in the playoffs this year. Uh, I think the Dodgers win the division and they, they get into the playoffs that way. I think Milwaukee is much better. Uh, I think that, you know, we've been talking about those other divisions having some teams to beat up on. I think Philadelphia is going to make a big run this year as well. I really do. I think that uh, the NL East is is down, and they've made some great moves, I think, to, to bring in some good players. So I'm not sure that with all of us beating up on each other and our teams, uh, I don't know that they're going to be able to climb up above a Milwaukee or St. Louis or Philadelphia that maybe has a, a little bit of an easier path with those other divisions. So I'll go one. All right, Jacob? Um, I'm, I'm going to go two because I think I have more confidence in the Rockies than the Rockies do. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to put I'm going to put them in a wild card spot just because of how good they were last year. Uh, I, I think that they can they can sneak in for the number two spot again. Like you said, I would agree that there are some other NL NL teams right now, like the Cardinals, that are really looking good to to get into the uh, into the wild card spot. So that's my pick. Right. Base Tim. Um, I'm going to go with two. I'm going to go with the Dodgers and the Rockies squeak in as the second wild card. I don't want to put my finger on where the other wild card is going to come from. Um, I know I'm a homer for saying this because I'm also a Mets fan, but the Mets made a lot of good additions. If everything falls the right way, they could be really competitive. But, again, that's yet to be seen. But out of the division, I would go with the Dodgers and the Rockies. All right. I'm going to go with two as well. And because I said the Giants second, I think the Giants will pip a spot. I think it's going to be really, really tight. Um, because as you said, I think the divisions, the division leaders are quite top heavy in my opinion, uh, across the, the West central and East And there's, Um, and so after that, you've got a crowd of teams that I think are going to kind of be sitting at around the somewhere between 87 and 90 wins. And that it's, it'll, I think it'll be kind of tight. Uh, I think the giants can pull it off. I hope. Uh, but, at, but at the, at the, at the, I will say this is that. I think that's probably the height of my expectations for the Giants is getting like the second wild card spot. I really don't think that you know, uh, well, there's there was so much that had to be done in terms of roster turnover and stuff like that to even get them to a point to really really contend. Um, and like I said, at the if the year goes great, they are in the playoffs as a wild card team. So I'll go with two, um, just because I I have some belief in what they've been doing, um, but. Uh, like you said, I, I, I actually don't, I'm, I tend to be a little bit down on St. Louis. I'm not an, a big buyer of their pitching staff overall. I think they've got a great offense, but, uh, pitching staff leaves a little bit to be desired for me. I like Milwaukee a lot. I like what Philadelphia has done and I like the Mets for a rebound. So I think those teams will all be in the mix as well. So another fun, another interesting area we've got a, each team I think has kind of a couple of rookies that we're looking at potentially. Um, who do you think ends up being the having the best rookie year in the division? We'll throw it to, um, of course, the youngest and the prospect laden team, uh, the San Diego Padres. Um, I'm going to go Homer here. I know he's starting the year off on the DL, but he should be back by May first. Franchi Cordero, uh, excuse me, Franchi Cordero. Um, I really see him maturing. He's had a great spring. Uh, he should be getting a lot of playing time in left. Um, I guess if, if uh, Aswaje, Aswaje doesn't play well at second, you'll see Perella move over and you'll see Cordero probably come in and Renfro come off the bench. So he has a lot of, uh, a lot of room to make a lot of contributions. I think he'll have a lot of opportunities. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see him make it, make a real dent this year. All right. Dodgers way. How about you guys? Since you guys had the complete NL rookie of the year last year. Uh, I, I think they have a chance to do it again with, with a third straight NL Rookie of the Year in a guy like Walker Bueller, Alex Verdugo. But I, I feel like that's too homer of me to pick one of those two, especially because Walker Bueller is on a, on a pretty hard innings limit this year. So I don't know how that will bode for an award. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I could pick a team for the NL Rookie of the Year, I would. And it would be the San Diego Padres just because of how young you guys are. I mean, you pick anybody who makes their debut early in the year, and I think that they have a chance to be the best rookie in the division. All right, Kevin, how about you? Man, uh, you know, it's funny. I was going to say I was leaning toward Walker Bueller, actually, believe it or not. I mean, I liked what, a lot of what he did in Tulsa, mile stomping grounds with the, the double-A drillers there uh, and how he's kind of risen up. 
but I'll, I'll be Homer as well and say that, you know, we talked about Ryan McMahon earlier. I still think he's got a, a way to impact this team this year. I also think David Dahl, uh, a guy who missed all of last season with a rib injury. It did pretty well whenever he got called up in 2016. Uh, you know, this is a, uh, it's a veteran laden team in Colorado. And I think that Dahl has the opportunity in the outfield to make a difference. Uh, he won't be up for the first two or three weeks of the season, but after that, I think he makes a huge impact. I'm actually going to go with Ryan McMahon. I really like him. I think he's a really interesting piece. I think if Desmond struggles and he's playing well, I think you're going to get some type of thing. Desmond tends to be injury prone. Uh, so I think you'll see a little bit more of him. And it'll be, for me, it'll be one of those, uh, those Trevor, well, not Trevor Story type, but you know, you he's going to get, he could get hurt. And if my, Ryan McMahon comes in and does performs like he's, like he, like we think he can, you know, he had what at 355 and had like a 980 something OPS across two levles last year. I just wrote the Rockies season preview for our website. So I kind of, I'm a little brushed up as on, on the, the, he was there. He was my prospect to watch for them. And I think, uh, I think he'll end up being the best rookie in the division um, from this season. I really like Steven Duggar from the giants, but I don't think overall, uh, I don't think his bat will have caught up to him self this year. Defensively, he'll blow people away, but his bat won't be good enough to really um, warrant much of an award and a whole lot of recognition outside of, uh, San Francisco, just because I think the bat's a little bit longer progress for him. If I was going to make a homer pick, that's probably the only one I'd have. But uh, comeback player in the division, as we've had many injuries um, around the division before, uh, who do you think kind of has the best rebound season out of the division? Uh, we'll go with the Dodgers to start off with this one. Uh, coming from a Dodgers fan, this feels weird, but I, I want to pick Madison Bumgarner to have a, a comeback year just because of, of the time he missed last year. My only hesitation there is he's about to miss time again with that hand injury. Um, but providing that that stays towards the shorter end of the timetable, I think he has a good chance to really bounce back from not only an absence last year, but when he was there, really nothing phenomenal. Kevin, how about you? Yeah, I've, uh, I'm leaning toward Bumgarner, honestly. I, I wrote a lot about some of our NOS predictions. And I, I think that, you know, again, whenever he, whenever he does come back, he's going to be a guy who's not only going to try to prove last year was a fluke, but also the, the start to this one. And he's going to really be trying to prove people uh, that he can be at that optimal level again. So I'm going to go mad bump. Absolutely. All right, Tim, how about you? Uh, I'm going to go Trevor story. I think um, 2016, he had a very, very nice year. He started, you know, numbers-wise, a nice year, but it was nowhere near his, his rookie season. Uh, I think he comes back into the forefront this year as far as um, second baseman. I'm going to go with the San Francisco Giants, but I'm not going to go with Madison Bumgarner. I'm actually going to go with Brandon Belt. Uh, the concussions and a lot of the issues he's had there, uh, it's been really rough on him. Uh, I, there was a really good article, if you can check it out, for believe it was The Athletic. Um, great an article from Andrew Baggerly. Uh, if you subscribe to The Athletic. Um, but there was a, uh, you know, just talking about, you know, it's his third or fourth concussion of his big league career, and he had a couple in college too. Uh, every, like half of them have been by being hit in the head with the baseball from his own teammate too. Um, so, you know, this has been a couple, bunch of fluke plays um, there for him. Uh, he's looked really good this spring. Uh, he looked really good last year. He was on pace to be the first Giants, you know, player to hit over 20 homers in a while and uh of course he gets a concussion and is out for the rest of the year um and i think 
if they had been, I, I, I don't even know if he would have come back regardless of where they were at in the standings. So uh, my money's on Brandon Belt as a comeback player of the year just because uh, he's been swinging the bat really well. He looked like himself. He's been joking. His his mood has been more of the Brandon Belt that we saw when you know early years and especially in 2015 when he made the All-Star game, stuff like that. So I'm going to go with Brandon Belt um, for the comeback player in the division just because he's been through a whole lot recently. Um Next one, we'll go with the NL West Cy Young. Who's the best pitcher uh, for the 2018 season in this division? Uh, is it is it anybody other than Clayton Kershaw? Is probably the question I should pose. Or are we unanimous? <laughs> it's going to be Clayton Kershaw. Uh, I'm 100% okay with it being Clayton Kershaw because I'm not shocked. So that's an easy answer. And then we'll go with this. Who's the who is the MVP? The true pure MVP of the NL West in 2018. Uh, we'll finish this off. Last question on our prediction segment. Uh, we'll throw this to Friars on base. All right. I'm going to uh, hot take Will Myers. Will Myers is going to, uh, he's going to compete for an MVP this year for the league. That, right. That's my hot prediction. That's my hot take. Hot takes. Nice. All right. Kevin, how about you? Uh, Homer, it's hard for me to go against Nolan. I mean, uh, you know, offensively, defensively, it's hard, hard for me to, to put anybody up there. Uh, I think the the player, uh, you know, if I were to go outside the Rockies, I would say Kershaw. Uh, you know, not only the best pitcher in the division, but I think the the player who makes the biggest impact as well. All right, Dodgers way. Uh, I mean, the Dodgers have a couple guys that I could pick in in Cody Bellinger, Corey Seager, uh, and obviously Kershaw. But I'm actually going to stay away from our team in general, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go over to the Rockies, and I'm gonna say Nolan Arenado. I think that unlike Paul Goldschmidt, sorry, like Paul Goldschmidt, he's been snubbed uh, too many times in the MVP voting. And I, and unlike Paul Goldschmidt, I think that this is the last year of that. And he has a real chance of being the overall NL MVP. I am going to close it out. I'm going to say Nolan Arenado. In my opinion, he's been the best player in the division for the last couple years. Uh, all around a great dude. Great both two ways. Not only is he great at the plate, but he's a great glove um incredible arm uh one of the most exciting players to watch and a complete giant killer but fear not once he hits free agency he'll be in the black and orange that's my hot take so that'll wrap it up for our 2018 predictions podcast uh i'll let each of you kind of give a sign off uh let people know where to find you on twitter uh you can use your website account or whatnot um and just any last words that you might have so we'll pitch it of course to the reigning champion first we'll go with dodgers way yeah, uh, I mean, thanks for having us on the podcast. It's been fun. Uh, for those of you guys who want to learn a little more about the Dodgers, you can follow us at Dodgers Way on Twitter and me personally at Jacob underscore Rudner. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us and look forward to a good 2018. All right. And Mr. Henry, how about you? Yeah, this is fun. I always enjoy getting together with my NL West colleagues. Uh, rest in peace to Venom Strikes, but to the rest of us, it's been fun. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, certainly check us out. Uh, Rocks R O X Pile F S on Twitter. Uh, you know, we we love being a part of the NL West, hanging out with you guys, and being a part of the Fan Side Network. So thanks for having us. All right, close this out, Mister Fryers on base. All right, Dan. Again, thanks for having us all. This was a blast. Um, if guys, if you guys want to keep up to date with the Padres, we're at FryersOnBase.com uh, at FryersOnBase on Twitter. And my Twitter's uh, at Tim Ryder, E-O-I. And uh, again, let's go, uh, let's go NL West.
Yeah. Not Homer. Let's exactly. go on OS. Hope everybody does well this year. All right. So, of course, and for me, uh, you can find us at roundthefoghorn.com. It's confusing. The A in around is the at symbol. Uh, I w- sometimes I wish they would fix it, but it's kind of it's kind of funky, so we'll just leave it as is. But again, I will say my last word, of course, is to thank you guys uh, for giving up some time on your Sunday night to join uh, to discuss the NL West, homers or not. Uh, you know, it's been fun. Twitter is great. Interact with us on Twitter. We love to get a little bit of back and forth as well. Um, some good sure. banter uh, on the Twitter machine. So uh, check us out all on Twitter. Uh, you can find my personal account at SperryDaniel94. But if you don't like soccer, don't go there because I do a lot of soccer coverage as well. Um, so you might get bored. I don't care. But you might get bored. So I'll just warn you from hey, that. But, before you start off, Dan, who's your team? Who's your team? Soccer. Uh, gosh, there's a lot of teams. I, I, I am actually a credentialed reporter for Sporting Kansas City because that's where I live. I'm not a fan of Sporting Kansas City. I'm a diehard San Jose Earthquakes fan because that's where I grew up, the Bay Area. Um, so I, I remember when Landon Donovan had blonde hair and was scoring goals. Uh, if I go to Europe, it was Manchester United because uh, that was the first game I ever watched was back in the day um, with Rudd Rud Van Nistelrooy, Paul Scholes. If you don't know soccer, you don't know what the heck I'm saying, so you can just leave that. Um, but uh, that'll be it for the show. Thank you for listening. Uh, have a great season, and I'll, I'll just close out. Go NL West.